Flex Your Freedom. I'm your host, Barb Allen. And if anybody knows about freedom distinctly, it is people who have served in our military for the sake of freedom, whether in our country or defend freedom for people in other countries as well. I always love it when I get to sit down and speak with a veteran. Um, not only about their service, but about their life beyond the service, because they always have amazing lessons and insight to offer on current events and adjusting and transitioning, as well as uh, the core values of our country and what's at stake if we let those all go today. Today, I have the huge honor of sitting down with Chris Peranto. Those of you who know me, you know I've talked a lot. The um, The incident at Benghazi struck a very deep chord in me. You know, the government betrayal is a pretty raw spot in my life as well, and unnecessary death and suffering. I have a huge respect for people who put themselves on the line in order to serve others, and I really um, I take it as a hard hit as well when those people are not properly backed up and supported and cared for. But most importantly, I'm so happy to see that Chris Peranto, you've You've come through all of this. and I know you've had a bumpy road, ups and downs, not only in service, but out of it. And you've come to a good place in life today. So let's get into all of that, not only your service, but lessons that you pulled from it and after Benghazi and the, the kind of story arc that you've had, because it's been a wild ride for you. Yeah, yeah. and thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Thanks for those kind words as well. I, I It does. As veterans, you know, we, we, we didn't do it for the thanks, but it, it, it is not anyone, any veteran that tells you, no, nah, it's not, we don't like to hear it. They're lying. Of course we do. We do. We don't expect it, but it's always nice to be recognized for sacrifices. And I think that goes with anybody. It, it doesn't matter what you, with your first responder, teacher, mother, I, I believe my mother and my wife have sacrificed a buttload for me and putting up with me and, you know, they deserve as much thanks as, as anyone. So it, it does mean a lot. So thanks, Barb, for saying that. I do appreciate it, ma'am. Yeah, but, you um, got it. Yeah. Thank you. And thank yeah. you for not issuing a restraining order as I've stalked to you for about three years to get you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got a good army buddy, Jeremy. You know, you know Jeremy. You yeah. bet that he is the smartest redneck I've ever met. I, he's brilliant. Don't, don't think that Southern draw, that dude is a genius, but he does protect me. He came in a, in a, in a time in my life, which we yeah. can talk about too. Because there, there was a lot of struggles that went on after Benghazi for me, just bad decisions, bad people. But we we can talk, man. Even you know, just just me in general, just being a being an idiot. But um, he came in at a point in my life where things were really rocky. Where I had you know, I'd been out of Benghazi for about three years. Uh, I say long. I'm sorry. The movie had come out. It'd been two, three years since the movie had come out. Benghazi had been five years prior to that. And I had made terrible, terrible decisions. I, you know, guys I, like myself, there are some that maybe dig the spotlight. I'm okay in it. I know how to handle it. I don't like it. I was never, I, I never wanted to be in it. So it can be overwhelming. And there are a lot of people that want from you and that can manipulate you. And again, I'm not crying. Don't cry for me. I, it's still my decision. I'm making the decisions that are allowing myself to be manipulated or surrounding myself with toxic people or pushing people that really do love me out of my life. And he actually came in a time where I was getting my crap back together. And, uh, and it was a godsend because, you know, he just came out. Hey, uh, and it really started running the, 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 the Tonto. <laughs> it's not an empire, but in a funny way. And facetiously, I was at Tonto empire when it was really imploding. And he's like, Hey man, I respect what you do. And I and I respect I always respect a veteran I do especially one that has been in Iraq and has been or Afghanistan has seen 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I'm not saying that's any better, but I, it, it, I, I know we've, we've got some common tie-in because we've seen a lot of carnage. I, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful brutality is what I call it. But I, I have that trust. It's like, well, you know what? I, I really don't want to do this tunnel thing anymore. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm finally getting my wife back in my, my life back together with my wife and because you know, we had been divorced and now we were reconciling. And he's like, you don't need to pay me a dime. Don't do anything. I pay him now. Don't think I, he doesn't work for free. I don't want anybody to work for free. But he goes, I just, I just don't want your story to go away. And I was like, Jeremy, I don't want to do none of this. You do it all then. And I, I, I didn't even know if he knew what he was doing. I just, the social media, the business, the, the, the merchandise, the, 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 the stock, not, you're not a stalker, but the stalkers, but also the, the, uh, the media, the media that, that I, I just couldn't, I, you know, I, I, I I couldn't say no to anybody. I had the hardest time saying no. That's one thing I have learned is that say no. But he was like, I got you. Nobody's going to get to you. I protect you. I'll run everything. We'll get the social media back going again. And he really, when the whole, you know, battle line and the vodka and the books, the, the third book I'd wrote in the Patriot Group, and all that was, I was just wanting to push it to the side. To, to, excuse my language, but shit can it. I know you military guys, you know what I'm talking about. They're military spouses. You, you've heard that. When I wanted to shit can everything, he's like, no, I got it. I'll run it. And I didn't have to do anything. And honestly, I, I did kind of hide. I went away for about six months and he just systematically yeah. took care of everything. He was, he was me. He was, he was Batman when Batman took a break. I'm not Batman guys, but Batman, when Batman took a break, <laughs> he filled in as Batman. and he did a bang up job. And now of course I trust him with everything, not just, yeah. French, but just, you know, everything. And obviously he does a good job because, <laughs> because he had three, three years it took him, but he, he, that's what I asked him to do. And he, yeah. he, <laughs> Roger that three bags full and he got it done. And, and it just says a lot for, you know, my friendships have dwindled I mean, my circle. I, I think all of us, as we get older, our circles get smaller, uh, especially yeah. when you are in the veteran community or the military community. But those that circ- the ones within that circle, they become stronger friends. And he is, you know, my circle has come smaller, but he's one person that I completely trust with. The yeah. other person I trust more is my wife. It is. That's it. That's it. And uh, this does a lot because he came in at a, t- a perfect time. God, God works in mysterious ways. He brought somebody in my life that I really I did not even really know. But something told me I can trust this guy and it's, it's worked out. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And I appreciated getting to meet him in person. Uh, typically, I don't get to meet the people on the other end of the guests I'm going after, you know, so far. So getting to meet him in person, we were at the Dear Mom shoot uh, together, yeah. and he was uh, constantly yelling at me, trying to make me cry more. So uh, but, yeah. he's a pain in the ass. Dude. That's one thing, dude. You got you to yeah. give it back to him. Don't let him. Be- don't let that yeah. bully bully you, that son of a son of a bee. You got no, to, you we gave it back. back. It was it was all good. And he he has deep respect for you too. And I explained to him, you know, why I was so invested in your story. I imagine, but you you just said so many things there and touched on so many. I feel like you just said about I don't know, 19 things that I could do an episode on each one of those. Right. So let me just pull a couple of those out and like okay. pull at that thread at that thread a little bit. Um, we know the story of Benghazi. Um yeah. how how, um, and there might be some people of a younger generation, right, who didn't pay attention right. and, and didn't know it. So I'll, I'll put some links in so people can share that, but um, can can learn about that too in a different way. Not that I don't want to talk about it. I just imagine, like, I'll happily talk about it if you'd like to. I'm imagining you know, and that. I- it's, yeah, um, whatever, yeah, Barb, but, whatever you, you want to do, that's fine. I, well, I don't mind. I, what, I, what I'm curious to know is, so 
there was a point in time when, when I would get called out to speak on different stages or new shows or whatever. And they wanted to know my story. They wanted to know about my husband's death, this murder, the acquittal, the pain, the trauma and all this. And, and I thought that I was doing a good thing. I thought that I was accomplishing something by going out there. I thought these people cared about, I see your smile, right? I thought they cared about me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. um, You know, and so I would put myself through it because what people don't realize is that when you go share your story, no matter how stoic you learn to become when you share the story, it took a little piece of my soul to yeah. like go in depth about it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Did that happen yeah. to you too? And oh, like, yeah. and like for how long was that? Like how, for uh, yeah, I, like when you got I, back, were you just smashed with requests to come talk and tear no, your, tear your not, story? Not real. I, no, because it, that, we didn't even know that was a thing. I, to be honest okay. with you, we, I, I didn't know what a speak. I didn't have a cl- I mean, my dad, she was, he was a football coach. He, uh, division one national championship, uh, assistant coach for Brigham Young. And, and he would go speak. And then when I was younger, I'd go to events, but I, he was a coach. I just figured that was his coach. You go talk to these, these, these sports conferences. And, and so I didn't really know what that was. So when I came back and, and just, and we did the, we decided to, to do the book and the book came out was, was very successful, even though it wasn't promoted on the left, and we say, hey, I'm just not getting political. It just wasn't promoted on the left. Is and it Shocking. still did. I know yeah. it still did extremely well. I mean, yeah. and it is still doing extremely well. Um, but uh, you know, that was we were really under, and not in a bad way, but we were under the thumb of Three Arts Entertainment, who was the the producer of the book. They were the ones that brought the book on Richard Abate over there. Which honestly, I, I know our politics, uh, and I'm not into politics too much anymore, but. If we were, if I was, we'd be completely opposite, but he's, he's still a great guy. I, I don't care. He, he took really good care of us. And then also Paramount, they were really controlling what we were doing and what, where we were going. And that wasn't a bad thing. It, they didn't put us in, in, in uncomfortable situations. We were still going out there, but it wasn't speaking. It was, you know, I was promoting 13 hours. I was right. promoting the book. I was promoting the movie and I'd never done it before. So I just thought that was normal. That's what you do. So what I did, and at that time, though, I was able to, I was able to, and it, 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 able to have, have fun with it because it was a new experience. And even, even though it was, it was, it felt weird because I'm like, why I, I shouldn't be enjoying this. This isn't right. Because what happened, my friends died. It's out there. People are spinning it that it didn't happen. But here I am enjoying, you know, I am, I'm enjoying going to the movie premieres. I, it's, it's such a new experience going to standing in front of 30,000 people in Cowboy Stadium with the Kevin, what's his name from Entertainment Tonight. And I don't name drop because I don't know half these people anyway, but I recognize faces just because of the watching TV. And I, I honestly, I, 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 when that was all going on, I disassociated the event from what that was. I was experiencing because of me, I was like, you know what? let's experience what's going on right now. Let's just, mm-hmm. just live in the moment uh, and not be angry about what happened to us. And also about us losing our clearances, getting our clearances suspended. And cause I'd went to Yemen after Benghazi too. I kept working. I, I actually contracted it for another year. All of us did except for Oz because of his arm because he was getting it repaired. All of us did. So uh, it, 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 I didn't allow myself to get angry but it was a false cover. I, I, I was still there. It wasn't, I was, I just put on a different set of clothes, but I was still that angry, naked to underneath, but I was still trying to, that's how I always looked at things. I think anybody 
especially in the special operations community, when something bad happens, what do you do? Don't cry about it. Let's just keep moving forward. And that's what I was, I was trying to do, but it was eating me up because during that, in that world, the Hollywood world, the, 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 the media world, the Fox news, CNN, the big, and obviously you see how, how, how big that is. And that was in that stage when it was really starting to grow, you know? Yeah. You, the vices of life are the vices are there. The devil's right. vices are all over the place. And, you know, I, I just, I, I, it, it was almost like I, I, being a cocaine addict, you know, you're just, the alcohol is there. The, the chances for infidelity are there. The, 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 you know, the, uh, the just being gone from home and just wanting to enjoy the, the, the being in resorts and all these nice hotels and, and being grabbed on just like, Oh my gosh, this is a movie. I'm, I'm, wow. I'm so popular. It, 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 it was very, it was life changing, but I, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to do, I didn't know what to do. I, I really, and I made so many bad decisions. Me and my wife, because of my stupidity, we got divorced. My second, we, we since reconciled because I got my shit together. I, I finally did. It took a little while, but what that was doing is that it was that adrenaline that I would get overseas. I was still right. needed that adrenaline. So I was getting it from the people, getting it from the speaking, getting it from the, the alcohol and the parties, getting it from being the center of attention. But just like a drug addict, that you start to need more and more right. of that. And I, I can look back on it now. I'm like, holy crap. And eventually that more and more turns into it's that it becomes an addiction. It really does. You, I'm, I'm looking for more alcohol. I'm looking for the parties. I'm looking to be grabbed on. I'm looking to be wanted. And I, and what am I doing? Well, I'm pushing myself farther and farther away from the people that actually love me, my kids, my wife, yeah. my, my, which is my ex-wife now, you know, and, and, uh, and you're, you're, you've, you're basically got a hole in you. And I did, I had a huge hole in me that I was trying to constantly trying to fill with, everything but what needed to go in there hey, you're pushing god away god was like I, like i got this i'm alpha male i can control this all right and uh but obviously i couldn't and and i went down that slippery slope to about 2017 where i did try to kill myself three times because it was just wow it was just too much so i'll be i'll be honest the the deployments in benghazi and all that that was to me that was where i needed to be that's where i felt comfortable square peg in a square hole even though there was a lot of car, a lot of stuff happened, a lot of life, a lot of death. I got to see a lot of life. I got to see too. Um, that fits. So I could able to handle it. Then I would come home and I'd be with my kid. That was the rock. But when the movie came out, I started to learn to those vice. I see the vices. And that's really what it was. I started to depend on those vices and my life went to just crap. And I, and I did it towards the end of it. I did the last three times. Um, uh, two were really a cry for help, you know, was, yeah, I, guns here, putting it in my hand. I'm looking at it, thinking about killing myself. And then the first time was just that second time was getting it loaded and getting it closer. And then the third time was actually literally, if you've seen the movie, The Crying Game, that old movie back in the shower, naked with the Glock and then putting it in my mouth and looking in the mirror. And and uh, and that was that was towards the end. Of it. So that was towards the end of, of me just making just huge decisions and not being ready for those years after Benghazi. Yeah. But in the end, Benghazi did save me. I, I and that's where the speaking comes in because the, the speaking events and all that 
when I was doing those three years of speaking, they were angry. They were, I, there weren't, there was no lessons learned. There was no, no leadership. There was no courage. There was no bravery. There was, it was, I'm pissed off. I'm going to talk about how awful. Isn't that the, what people wanted from you at the time? And that wanted. wasn't a question. Like, that's what they wanted. It was like dance monkey, you know, and it was. Yes, and it, yes. no. I said the same thing. I felt like I felt, I had a public. Yeah. We're not going to get into that. I, I no. I just, I had a couple of people responsible for booking me and things like that. And I did, I felt like I even said that to one of them. I said, yeah. you know, you're making me feel like I'm a monkey and you're cranking that right. wind up music box. And I'm just, and you do, you, you feel like you're just, you feel this big. And, right. and, and but, it's a lot to process, right? When you're still, yeah. you haven't come through. And even now it's like 10 years, 10 plus years out from Benghazi. Um, that especially if you were out there on the stage and on the circuit three years after the, when the movie came out, three years is not a long time, especially if you oh. have not, if, especially if you have not come to the place where you are acknowledging and turning into everything that you're carrying. Right. And so if you're, if you've just been like masking that and carrying and existing, because like, it's like you're operating up here and all that stuff is right here, but you have so much in front of you. If you go here, you're going to go that right. So you just kind of yeah. keep it there. But then when, if you're like trying to do all of that other stuff on top of this, you're just boom, like it's just, it's a powder keg. Right. And so you <laughs> yeah. had to do that in a very, very public. Did you have people then, um, like I get people now say, Oh, she's profiting off of her husband's death. She's trying to do this. What a whore, what are that? So on top of all of that, you have people who are coming at you, calling you all sorts of garbage names and then you know, yeah, yeah. To post to you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did, but I, I think it was the same people that on the political side of the house didn't because they, you know, they were, I think they were going to say that regardless because of True. because I, you know, the story is not to them. It's, it's a, it's they're still not seeing the responsibility of the politicians that were in charge. But yeah, it, it was more the left Chris, wing. What that does it matter it. now anyway? Right? I, <laughs> oh my I know, god! Exactly. But, so, All right, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't even get me started. That's why I'm so far <laughs> from whatever. I she can. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, God's we'll got, God's got her. She, that one just out. But it was a no. What? It, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it just allowed. What it did is, I was going to get that regardless. We all right. were because of because of the story and because people are so in, invested in their politicians that they have a hard time ha using common sense. Obviously. But I think what it did is it allowed more, it allowed people more to pile on or even be more vicious. So right. that's what it was. And the profiting thing with me, honestly, it, it, we had, we did get that, but it was easy for me to rationalize that away. And honestly, I think it was, a. It, I shouldn't say rationalize because that means I, I'm, I, that, that it was right what they were saying and I was trying to hide it. I'd be, I would have made just as much money working for two more years with right. the with GRS than I made than I made doing with the book and I'm feeling like you you become wealthy beyond your wildest dreams and the speaking events to get these honorariums in the beginning when there's six of us no this when you're splitting it all it's really not that much money and the speaking in the beginning no I didn't get paid anything well, I didn't know I, and honestly I wasn't good enough I right. in my opinion now from looking back and and being self-critical, I shouldn't have been getting paid back then. I didn't know what I was doing. I just was talking in front of people. So it wasn't really, 
So, so I, I didn't really make anything. And so when people are saying, well, you're profiting on, I'm like, well, not really. I had to leave my job. We, we literally, even though our clearances were suspended, I was fired guys. So I lost my job. It's not like I got, uh, we, we were all, um, uh, we didn't all, we all were honored or, or we get our salaries for the rest of our lives because we're, you know, we're medal of honor recipients and they deserve every penny of that getting their salary for right, the rest right. of us. But I'm saying, so we lost everything. We didn't get, we didn't get any more money. We didn't get paid. And, and I said, I didn't, I didn't take any in defensive base act insurance. Uh, I you know the, the FBI, what's his, Mueller was the guy in charge. At that, <laughs> I just got that letter. I could have applied for assistance because we were attacked by terrorists, but to me, my 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 integrity was like, no, you can't put a price on my integrity. No, and I actually, I still, I never sent it back. So I didn't get. We weren't. I wasn't getting any money. So when they started saying that sort of thing, it was easy for me to just, ah, hell with you, you right. guys. Just shut up, you know. But but the manipulation, like you talked about, the dance monkey dance, the let's go do Fox News, let's go do CNN, let's go do Sirius. Hey, you got to talk here. You got to talk here, and and saying yes because I, I, I don't know if it was really the money it was more of being the center of attention yeah and that was where that was where it got me and and the social media side of the house um it, the tough part of that is that you can't reach through the screen and grab somebody by their neck <laughs> is like we're in the old days so you have a disagreement i have a disagreement you want to make fun of me let's go behind the woodshed let's let's go take you can't do that getting used to that was tough because it does make you angry and they are trying to push your buttons. And eventually, uh, after watching, uh, you know, Wreck-It Ralph with my kids, uh, I eventually, you know, especially the second one. So it took me quite a few years. It's like, you don't read the comments. I don't do that anymore. And now <laughs> that, that limited that, but there were times where, where, yeah, I would read it and be, I'd get pissed off and it would make me angry. And, and, um, I would I would push back and and when I was able to finally start towards the end and clear my head, I would read those comments and if I did get involved with that, I'm like man, they got what they wanted. I just look like a complete idiot in the garbage arguing with these people and and I there's no reason for it. They're just trying to push your buttons. They're trying to do the the the, the trolling. They're they're trying to do this clickbait with to get you right. get you in the fight because they want. They want that five seconds and they also make them feel good. Don't give them you that. You feel like a badass. Like I, I got, I got Tonto. I know. I got, <laughs> I got, I got a Tonto. Wait, wait. He's not such a badass as they, you know, put yeah, the look at him. He's not, in their face. And yeah, I know. All right. And so it's like, but, how it, they, but it was, I, I was able to, and yeah. now, you know, now it's easy. And, and, but it, being angry at that time, that didn't help either. Those little comments just made me yeah. angrier. And it made me want to go on the news and say more stuff. It made me want to go and show the world how pissed off I am. And and it was something I needed to go through, though. I, I'm glad I did. I, I learned from it and learned what not to do. But it's I'm a glad tough I didn't cycle. It's a tough cycle to go through. Yeah. And even when you know, you know, you ever like say something and as you're saying it, you're like, I shouldn't be saying this, but like, it's already coming out. Right. So I said so that on Fox, actually, I said that with <laughs> Pete Hankseth and Fox and friends. The last time I, last time I did Fox friends ever, last time I did Fox period, or did any news. Right. This was the last interview. It was 9, 11, 2012. I was speaking in Branson, Missouri, I had to get up and do this Fox and I just had spoke the night before. So I was the dance monkey dance. I was, I just flew in. I can't even remember where I flew in from, from the East coast somewhere. I had to get up at 5 AM 
to do this interview. I'm tired. I think I'd been on the road for three months at that point. My life, and this was at the end of the toxicity. My life is in shambles. It's a complete mess. And he asked me, and, and then he, they had me on. It was 9-11. They wanted me to talk about Benghazi. I wasn't prepared that they were going to show a, uh, a speech by Barack Obama that somebody got on their cell phone. He was at Loyola University or University of Chicago, and he was doing a speech for the students there. Congratulations, Chicago. And um, the University of Chicago or Loyola, whichever one it was. <laughs> but um, he said, you know, he what he didn't think it was filming. him. And he said, yeah, these Republicans coming after me. They came after me with all these conspiracies, fast and furious, something else that he did. Then he said also Benghazi. And, you know, of course, the, it's like yeah. a thick of dynamite. Yeah. yeah. Like, what did he? Yeah. And, I, and of course they're doing that. Fox is doing that. They want they want me to get it, even though they're they. They don't want me to get angry. They do want me to get. Yes. And he and after that clip, the clip went. Pete Hague said he goes. He said, "So how'd you feel about that?" Uh, and I was pissed. Oh man, I was you. Know, and you could see it in my face, right. and I'm pissed. And I said, "Well, honestly, what that does it pisses me off." And I want to reach through the screen, and I wanted to choke that sob. And you see in his eyes, and he goes, "Well, you shouldn't threaten a former president." Well, then don't ask me how I Then don't ask me. I said that off the air, too. I was like, well, that's what I felt. And I think the video is still out there because because of uh, it. But, you know, that was the last time. And that's when I actually started to come to that realization. Like, these, all they want, they're not on my side. They just want me to get pissed so their ratings go up, so they get more money. So, And then when this is done, they're going to push it. And that's, yeah, that's when I was like, I'm done. Yeah, I am done doing any of this. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like, but yeah, that's funny. Thing. That question. Yeah, I had that exact moment where I was like, "Son of a!" <laughs> but I, and it was like it was a, a got me moment. It's like, yes. all right, you guys got me. Good job. But now I'm done. But now it's that's great. it. So what yeah. was it? Um, I obviously there's going to be a lot of people who can connect. Like everything you're saying, I I clearly cannot comprehend your specific story and what you've been through and all that. But a lot of what you're saying about the cycles, the anger, the toxicity, all of that, the adrenaline, the untapped, you know, healing, you have to do like a lot of that I can connect with on my own story, on my own path. Right. So, um, what is it for you? How did you then extract yourself from that cycle? Cause you had a marriage that had fallen apart relationships i'm imagining your health your physical spiritual my, my emotional health how did you health was, in the, was gone, yeah. so how did you like i know what my my like come to jesus moment was right what what was yours and what were the immediate steps you yeah. took after that moment my mine was you know we talked about a little bit that with that last time suicide attempt the one where right. i actually did attempt it where i tried the okay. fingers trigger it's in my mouth um I looked in the mirror. I did. I looked and I had a buddy that used to tell me this. He goes, if you can look yourself in the mirror and, and talk to yourself, you're in a good place. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't look in the mirror. And I finally, on the third attempt, I looked in the mirror and I heard my buddy and this is my ranger buddy. I, I, I respond better to tough love than I do to somebody coddling me. And, you know, a few weeks earlier, he had seen what was going on and he's like, dude, you need to un yourself. Un-, and his voice came in my head and, and I looked in the mirror and I, I said, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I remember I put the gun down. I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I thought about 
a lot of the things I'd gone through, even prior to Benghazi, I was kicked out of the military the first time I was in. A lot of people don't know that. And I actually did it all over again. I did everything, <laughs> airborne, infantry, I did infantry, airborne, ranger, all over again twice because, you know, I, I needed to finish that. I, I couldn't quit. I, you know, I had ulcerative colitis or it was Crohn's disease. Or ulcer, it was very bad. I still have it. It's, they still can't figure out which exactly it is because it's so bad in my stomach. But I had that when I was in the military and I was able to fight through it. And actually, I deployed with it as a contractor for 10 years. And then going, I thought about Benghazi and I thought about even just the norm, the, the normal stuff, the normal arduous, the ranger, ranger school, being a ranger, being going through ranger indoctrination, the deployment. So multiple for years. And then Benghazi, I'm like, dude. And I said, I'm talking to myself and I call myself, dude. I said, sorry, guys. That's what I, I was like, dude, you have gone through so much shit yeah. in your life and you're going to quit now. It was like an open ended question to myself. And I'm like, nope. That no way, I'm not quick because we don't. It's it's a, you see, and that's why I have an issue with with I do have an issue with with veterans committing suicide. We go through so much, so, so much, and we don't quit. But then we quit on the most important thing in life, and it is important, not in a bad way. You get boy. We quit on ourselves, mm-hmm. and I was like, nope, I'm not. I I have gone through too much to quit. And actually, I put the put the gun down. Mike, we, we are DVC members. We've been DV, D, Disney Vacation Club members for years, even though we haven't been back there in a few years. They'll get their stuff fixed and we'll start going back again. So you get kicked but, out um, of Disney. <laughs> yeah, but, but but there was 2017 and my wife was at Disney on vacation with our kids. We had three kids at that time. We had, we had a little guy, a little guy, and well, they all were little at that time. They were all very, very, and I called her and I said, I know you're probably the last person in the world you want to hear from, but... I said, can I come to Disney with you and spend the week with you on vacation? And she's like, yeah. And I was on a plane ticket. Next day, I'm out. It was so awesome. I remember at the Polynesian Village is where we're standing. I'm going to cry here. <laughs> but it was so awesome. It was the best vacation ever. I mean, it's just like, holy shit, I'm, this, is, this is where I need to be. What, what was I doing? And it wasn't like, this is where I need to be. It was something I didn't know. It was like, you're an idiot. What the hell have you been doing for the last three? Get it, get your shit together. And uh, and it was awesome. And that's when the life, my life started to. It took some time. You know, we, we she didn't just take me back. I had yeah. to. I had to woo her again. That's the old school guys. Woo wooing. I had to date her. We had a date and and I you know show that I was a good father. The drinking started, and that's also when Jeremy. The next month, January. That's when Jeremy came into my life. And that's when things started to get better. And that's actually when the speaking and I started to figure out the speaking. And I actually did get picked up by a very good speaking company. Um, I took a chance with them. They have been they're called Kepler Speakers Bureau out of D.C. And the reason they did is reason I I, reason I decided to work with them is because they had met Eversman from Black Hawk Down. He was one of their speakers. And that's who I would watch to try to emulate how to speak and Kenny Thomas, two Rangers from Black Hawk Down. And they also had Kirk Leopold from the USS Cole. So I was like, I didn't know who they were. I'm like, well, you know what? They're, they seem veteran and Matt's with them. I, I mean, I don't know Matt, but I know his story. And of course he's a legend in Ranger Battalion. So, and I joined them. And, and what I'm getting at though, is that when, that's when the speaking stopped to be angry. And I started to look back at lessons learned, just like the military. Right. I did an AR of Benghazi on, and then an AR, an after action review of my life. And I'm like, wait a second, why am I talking about Benghazi and angry? There are so many lessons learned, courage, 
overcoming obstacles, overcoming adversity, dealing with uh, dealing with adversity. Um, leader, I think I said leadership already. Um, it takes that, a while, uh, though, right, to feel like yeah. like you are worthy of sharing those stories. You're like you're like, well, all people care about me for is the Benghazi stuff. Like they don't care about the lessons I learned. It's it's like a different confidence leap, and like it and is. I feel like. It's like you had the courage to, to do all the things you did in service and contracting. That is like the next level of courage. And yet something about making that leap from having the courage to say, you know, I have the confidence. People, I actually have value to add to people other than, you know, without a gun in my hand, without or without like I have value to offer in other areas. Um, and that's a it takes a a lot to get to that place where you know you have value not in a cocky kind of way but in a like i'm selfish if i don't share this value that i've learned kind of way oh, right exactly so, it's just lessons it's, a, it is just it, it's life it's just how lessons yeah. learn and and i so i i learned about things from other people watching my you know looking back now and watching my father speak at those conferences yep it was always stories. It wasn't on a board PowerPoint. It was coach. I, I, I'm so happy. I grew up in an athletic. I, I played college football myself and, and I learned a lot from coaches and, and what they would do to get, get young guys attention. They would tell stories. Yeah. They'd yell at us too. And they, not as bad as drill sergeants, but it was also look watching him and then saying, well, you know what? Maybe my talk. Yeah. Let's take a chance. And I, I would take, I don't know if you've done this, Every speech I'd go out, I'd, I'd take a chance and see how it would go. And it may flop, but I would say, let me figure this out. And I'd see what people responded to. Right. I started, it, it was it was goal-oriented. I had a mission again. You know, it really was. It, not just to be the greatest father and husband I could be now. That was, that's my mission, really, it is. But on the speaking side of the house, it was, let's change this. This can be a lessons learned. Let's not be angry about Benghazi. Let's, let's learn from it. And let's learn about everything leading up. Because something, God put me on that path of, the military getting kicked out and being hang on, I almost died from my crime. I mean, I lost 30 pounds in a week. I was just, I, I was, I was a mess. I was that, that Crohn's disease kicked my ass. It, it really did, but I overcame it. Now it's been in remission for years. I deployed with it. And then just seeing the, the seeing all the stuff I went through when I was overseas, you know, and then also the divorce, the, the suicide attempts. It's like, wait a second, but God's is just one of those right. small stories within a whole a whole plethora right. of stories where it's not your entire story. It's not your whole yes. identity. It's, it's not all you are. It is a piece of who you are, a powerful piece yes. for sure. Right. But a lot of spinoffs from that. When I was oh, yeah. in my, um, when I went through, I went through what I called like a, an active suicidal phase and then a passively suicidal phase, right? Like where I wasn't like actually like going through steps to maybe kill myself, but I was like, you know, maybe taking turns too fast or yeah, yeah. riding no, my I, horse too fast I, and not caring if I fell off like that. Maybe I'll accidentally die like that kind of thing. Um, yep. But when uh, the one time when I sat there with the pills in my hand, I could hear my kids laughing in the other room. And I just, um, I like prayed and I felt this like, almost like somebody else's hand came and put the pills back in the bottle, you know, okay. for me. And it was like, this voice is like, you can kill yourself tomorrow. Just like get through today. And then every day I would get up and I'd be like, I can kill myself. Too. I just got to get through today. You know, I can always kill myself tomorrow. And it sounds so wonked. It's like a weird way, but it was like, well, it got me through the day until I realized how absurd that sounded. Like, I'm not going to kill myself tomorrow. Like, what this is a stupid thing to say, right? But, but I point. had to get over that bridge. I had to get there, right? And so that's what got me 
<laughs> well, and, that, and that's perfect. You know, that's right. a perfect example because that's what we. I, I think that's yes. cliche is what what people say all the time. They just get to the next day, just baby steps, baby steps. Right, right. It sounds cliche, but that's essentially what you were doing, and that's what I did. I was just baby steps. Let me, let me, let me just move around today. Let me just move just a little. Just try bit. this. Just try this one thing, right? And then you'll. But you, you keep moving forward. But I, I did mention, and I'm glad you brought that up. I, I the big, one of the biggest things too is God. I'd pushed out of my life and when I brought God back in and that was that faithful, that was that night with that's again, where things started to happen, family, God, and then just not being angry anymore. And that's when the, the, what difference does it make the Hillary Clinton? I finally, I was like, you know what? God's God. Everybody's going to be judged. I'm going to be judged. God doesn't waste sins. I I hate to say this guy. He doesn't, God sends a sin. And when I thought of it that way, I'm like, you know what? I don't need to see judgment. Who the hell am I to see judge? And I did say this myself. God's got it. Let God handle it. He's going to judge me. He's going to judge them. I don't have to worry about it anymore. And when I, that's when the anger started to go right. away. It really did. It's yep. a it's a balancing act, right? Because on the one hand, I feel like we um, we have a duty or responsibility to kind of pursue some version of accountability and justice on this earth for everybody's well-being, yeah. right? But on the other hand, that's a really freaking slippery slope that could take you into some, like, <laughs> like so you have to you have to know what you're doing and do it with with intent, you know. But that's what that's where the experience comes in and the time yeah. and the years and the miles and the mentors and all of that stuff. Who has been a good, who has been a mentor to you in, on your path of, of oh, healing we, and putting easy, my, you know, my, and, and my, my grandpa, he was a picker, came over from Mexico, an immigrant, hard worker, hardest of grandma, same, my dad, my dad was actually poor. And this is saying, so my dad uh, grew up in Spur, Texas, West Texas, literally a dirt farmer. I didn't know his mom or dad. I never knew they died when he was one. So I never met them. I mean, he was poorer than my grandfather. And my abuela and abuela, they were, you know, that, and that's saying something since they were immigrants from Mexico. I never saw them complain growing up. When I was growing up, never once, they never blamed anybody else for our situations. They never blamed, said, you know, especially my grandfather, you know, Gar Joaquin Garcia was his name. And, and I, we grew up in the, in the Mexican, I did a Mexican heritage. I'm very proud of that. And I'm, I'm very proud of my white heritage for my, <laughs> my dad too, as poor as hell. But there was never any blame for anything. Our position was just where we were at. And how do we get out of it? We work harder. We never quit. We don't give up. We, we just continue. And every day, I remember he was a farmer. He went from being a picker to owning his own farm. He was one of the most respected men in Delta, Colorado. And I didn't know any different. I didn't really, I mean, I'm glad we, I was happy we were Mexican, but I didn't, that was never something that came up. I, I said, so I don't really believe in racism. Racism is something that if you want to push blame on the other people for not getting your, where you want to be in life, that's, that's on you. But if you're not raised with it, then it's not there. The only reason you're not making your point in life or where you want to be is because you're just not working hard enough. And that was what my, that's what I got from my grandparents and my dad. And, and I remember my grandmother, I, she said this and I still resonate. So I actually put it in my speech a lot, you know, um, if ever I didn't make a team or I didn't, I didn't make you know the grades I wanted or or something didn't it was a disappointment I didn't do as well as I thought I should have she would always say did you work hard enough she'd go eho and I didn't even get the miho I got the eho because she was trying to be strict miho guys means like my son eho means son so it's basically saying hey son but she's she's not giving me the nice miho but like, hey dude because, yeah she's, yeah, like, hey, she's, like, she's <laughs> like did you work hard enough and 
10 times out of 10, no, I didn't. And so that at that early stage in life, unbeknownst to me, that never quit attitude that got me through Benghazi, that got me through range school, that got me through the deployments, that got me through seeing death and still fighting through it, that got me to put the gun down. It started then. It started when I was, you know, four, five, six years old. And it didn't start from them telling me anything. It started from me watching how they lived their lives, which was hard work. They always were happy. No complaints. Yeah, I know we wanted to be in a better place. I, I knew we didn't have a ton of money, but we had everything we needed, you know, and, and it was it was always, did you work hard enough? Did you, did you do? And that, you know, that went on later in life with my mom, who still, who still is the smartest person in the world to me. And she'll tell you that when we, when we talk to you, she still is, but it's still, Hey, don't complain. What are you complaining about? Bust your ass. Get out. There was, and I don't think we have that a lot in today's society, but, but, you know, I, I, I really, I really resonated because that's what saved my life and all the other points when I got to it. That's what saved me from never quitting. It was, and I, I just, I just love it. And I could think back about it now where, you know, I couldn't in 2016, 17, 15, I couldn't think that way. No. When I now looking back go, man, really, I would had a great base right off the bat. I mean, I didn't even know about because of a tremendous, t- tremendous family, mother, father, grandfather, grandmother, who just, did nothing, not really preached anything to me. It's just they got up and worked their asses off every day. And yeah. and I saw that. And it is like the process of osmosis. It just <laughs> it just came into me. And and um yeah, they they are at least on the family side. I mean on family I mean and military side, uh, when you're at Range Battalion, you're around just you're around toughness constantly. You're around guys that just can handle anything. I, I, so really, is there anybody at, in the army, if I would say that resonated with, I'd say, no, I see the unit in itself, the 75th Ranger Regiment. It was just, wow. I mean, I, I thought I was a great athlete in college. I thought I knew what, what how to handle tough stuff. Holy crap. No, yeah, I didn't I I take it to the next level. <laughs> next level. And what that helped me, it just really did. I had the toughness, the intestinal fortitude that was there as a kid because of my grandparents. What that did is it just honed it. It just made it where now, okay, I can take pain. I know how to deal with it. I know how to get through these situations. And that is where the admiration goes. So I wouldn't say a person. I would say with the unit, the 75th Ranger Regiment, everybody within that unit that was there, especially my leaders, I learned something from them about mental toughness, intestinal fortitude, but also caring. Um, you know, they, they, they did care. When things were bad, you know, you think you're going to get piled on. They would come together. We, w- we would come together, I should say. And uh, that was that was a, that was huge, especially on nights like Benghazi, where I just needed to be mentally tough, and I knew confident in myself. Well, that's where I knew I could handle myself. You, me, and you, me and you, Terrace. I'm gonna bet on me every time. That came from being Ranger, right. and I think all Rangers say that. I, I really do, Ranger or you know, and, and not to knock anybody. I think all everybody in the special operations community has that mindset, whether you're a SEAL, whether you're a pararescue, whether you're a night stalker, whether you're from the 75th Ranger Regiment, whether you're a special forces from the SIF team or on an ODA, um, you know, it's that mindset of, of just being, hey, I'm tougher than you are. I can take more. Bring it on. In the movie, I, Tyrone said that. I remember that when he was on the radio in the beginning of the movie where 
He goes, how willing are you, how willing are you to die for your country? Yeah, I, that actually happened. It just was at nighttime. It wasn't the daytime. So we put in the daytime, the movie, but right. the situation actually happened at night. He bluffed his way out of that situation because he just mentally was tougher than ever. And he was willing, like, screw it. Come on. You want to fight? Let's fight. Well, I'll, cause we're going to go the distance. And that was Tyrone. And I think that is something that every special operations, every special operator, um, regardless of the branch of service, has that mental toughness um, yeah. when they, not all the time, but when, when they need it. it. Yeah. 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 So on that note, and speaking of your, um, you know, your fellow service members and all that, I know you have an organization. So here in the last few minutes, um, let's talk about 14th hour uh, and and the work that you do for for others who served. Well, in we, we, yeah, we, we do our best. I know we, we made some changes to it. Um, originally when we started 14th hour foundation and of course it's a playoff 13 hours because the 14th hours when you know we needed help um emotionally mentally and, and so forth and that's where the the 14th hour comes from but the um uh we initially started where we just would help we would just hey you got a bill to pay we'll pay the bill you you got a car rent the car bill car bill you haven't made you know we'll get it rent so forth over three years i started to see veterans same ones returning. Double dependent, yeah, yeah, coming back. Yeah. And, they, and, and it almost became like, holy crap, this is turning into welfare. It, it, we're enabling, this isn't good. We're not doing anything for veterans. We're actually enabling them to not go out there and work because they know a foundation is going to help and pay their bills for them. Um, and it sucks because there are some good ones out there that really, like, we helped to build a new house for a, for a veteran that fell off scaffolding at his job after got out of the Army and broke his back. I mean, that was awesome. But seeing the same person come back, hey, I got my car bill. I can't pay this month. Oh, you know what? Next month. Oh, sh shit. I can't pay my rent. It's like, hey, man, come on. Yeah. There's what are we doing here? And last year we did myself and my wife runs it. My wife is tremendous. She she runs it. I, I am just an advisor <laughs> to, to her board. Um, but uh, it was like, let's let's change this now because we don't have the manpower to vet every person that comes through, like some foundations do some foundations like uh, Carl Monger's um, uh, fund uh, foundation that he has out there. It's another Ranger foundation. He has a board that they can actually vet prospective candidates with me and my wife. It's right. dang near impossible. So we said, well, let's do this. We still believe in all the foundations out there. We're going to give money to any foundation that needs money. Cause we know that they're doing, you know, you're a five, one C three, you've been through the vetting process. So we got you. So any foundation that comes in that says, hey, can you help us? We're going to help. Them. So we give money for that. And also what helped me the first time I got kicked out of the military, what kept me on the path of moving forward, like you talked about, we just get up. We got to move forward every day. I went back to school and got my master's degree. I have never used it for anything, but it did help me stay on that path of I felt like I was continually at least improving myself and being a contribution at something, whether in some point in life well, I will be. Well, that's what you use it for then. That's, that's what it that, that's what, exactly, that's, So I guess yeah, I've never used it like as a job. Right, no, right. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, use, I get you. You're right. You're on it. So I said, well, <laughs> you know what? And Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, Bub's Foundation, they do that. They give scholarships out to SEALs and their families. It's like, well, let's do that because that's what helped me get better. It was and not go down that path of where, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm going to quit on life. At least I felt like I was still accomplishing something in my own life and improving. And I did. I, I really I know I did. I know it helped me. I give I give. I mean, I say a lot. That's it, but it, it's a graduate degree. It's cool. I have a master's degree. Awesome. Um, 
So we also give money now for scholarships to not just veterans that want to go, but their families. So that is something. And I, I'm proud of that. And because, it, you know, helping veterans out that, that, that continually come back and want their bills paid over and over, we're not doing any, we're not doing them any sort of service. In fact, we're making the community worse, mm-hmm. but giving them the opportunity to better themselves or at least feel like they are accomplishing a goal, which you are because you, you're going to school, you are accomplishing the goals. Um, that to me was more important. And that's what helped me. It, it did. And so that's where 14th hour went and that's what we're doing now. Um, and I'm happy. I, I love, I do. I love when a foundation comes in and says, Hey, we got a guy that like a horseback equestrian foundation says, we, we need the money to get this guy to us. We don't have the funds in our account to have him pay for the flight, but he really needs to come ride horses and be on this. It's like, got you guys. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. How much is it? And we're very blessed to have a very, it's not a huge, uh, a huge fundraising base, but the base that we do have, they're very passionate. So they're always willing to help and give. And we, we have money in there. So yeah, when somebody needs a flight or needs a hotel to go to a foundation that the foundation itself can't pay for, we're right there to pick up the pick up the extra. And I think those things do help. Yeah. Those things definitely do help. And we're always game to do that. And of course, hey, guys, I, I'm, and if you're anybody veterans out there, if you're going back to school, and you need help. Yeah, please hit us up. We'll, we'll, we'll help you. Whatever we have, we'll, we'll help you get through it. And school does help. And it is fun. It, it's a break. It's it. I know we get schools get. I know they're going weird places as far as the, the, the politics are, but actually it is a very protective, it is a, that's why it can go that route because it is a very protected environment, but you can really get your, your, your shit, your life together because it's protected because you do come in and you, you can, you can relax. You don't have to feel like you're on guard all the time right. when you come in the, in the campuses and you do at the end of the day, when you get that degree, I'm not going to lie. I was very proud to have, I'm proud to have that master's degree. I'm proud to have that bachelor's. I'm very proud that I, have that. I don't hang it up on the wall, but yeah, it's, it's in a scrapbook. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I put a lot of work in to get this. So uh, yeah, I, I, I'm glad we're, we're doing that and we're helping. And, and I just, I wish we had as many people applying for scholarship money than we did for people to pay their bills. I, yes. That's the one thing I, yeah. we don't, I'm not going to lie and say we do, we don't. So more, come on, more people right. go get to school. Come on, apply. Get, get your degrees, I, will put, man. I will put the word out. I have a, you know, a pretty decent veteran network across the country. Oh, yeah. So I'll put the word out and we do that too. We have, there's an organization. I am now um, the president of a, of a nonprofit that once served me. That was actually formed when they saw the picture of me and my kids on the front page the day my husband was killed. Which, which one is it? I, I, I mean, I've my background. Which one is it? It's what a local it? one. It's the committee for okay. families of war veterans. And we do the same thing. We pay bills, but like they have to go through the vetting process and we'll pay the power company directly. You know, we'll pay the, the well, person directly. Yeah. If, um, if you have the people to vet it, it's, so, it's, I, I believe in it. We but just, we I hear just you do it. because I, I was dependent on organizations for a while. So when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, whether it was like emotionally, I'm going to go to this event. Everyone's going to tell me how strong I am. I'm going to get to be around other people who are miserable. So I'm going to have my pain validated. And I'm going to be told that I'm courageous while I'm being told I'm a victim, while somebody's like taking care of my kids and all of this, like, when can yeah. I go again? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> so like... 
so you I hear you. On, I mean, you hit the nail on I the hear head. You. Right um, it's a, and you don't even under, you don't realize that you're going down it. And the people who have such big hearts don't understand that they have to be on alert to watch it. So it's, it's fascinating. I've learned so much through all of that. Um, Me Chris, too. Yeah. Me too. I really, I am so grateful. Um, I'm actually, and I joked around to Jeremy about this too. I'm like, Jeremy, dude, I'm glad it took me three years to get you on the show because I don't think maybe I was uh, in the in the right spot to interview you. Well, you know, and I wasn't in it, but I just talked about. You believe know, me, I um, wasn't in the right spot to get that. This would have been so, a very hateful, hateful interview. Anger, anger, anger. You wouldn't make me cry. Um, no, so I'm actually grateful because I feel like this is the perfect time. I don't understand all the reasons why. I just feel like this is the perfect time. I've interviewed you and met you. So I'm really grateful um, for that. And um, before we leave, tell everyone where they can find out more about you sure. and your works and how not to book well, you in December because you don't want you to know, in I, December. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, all things. Well, honestly, I, I, all things. Are, I, there's nothing important about me at all if you, if you want to follow me or anything you know, I, I have facebook right. I have if Instagram. you want to follow this piece of crap who's done nothing for anyone who has no value to add where could they go that, that's that's not gonna get all spun up or be on tucker carlson ever so it's okay if you don't want to follow me i get that there's you gotta have that side but i you know um website is christanoprano.com and that really has everything on it that has and all where you the, can apply if, as, if you're a veteran for grants for school just 14, just search 14th Hour Foundation. Okay. Now, when you come out 14th Hour Foundation, we're usually at the top, but sometimes the Landcom 14th Hour Foundation <laughs> will pop. So if you click on it and it's the Landcom, like the makeup, it's not the right 14th Hour Foundation. So nope. go, go to that's the a, yeah. That's a different kind of foundation. All right. Yeah. Noted. We'll take sure. We'll pop the, the direct link right here um, on the on our site next to the article. But yeah, do, do, if you go to christanoprano.com, everything that I do from the speaking to the training with Battleline Tactical to my podcast, the Battleline Podcast, which we need to have you on. Honestly, Barb, we, we need to. We'll, we'll we'll have you on if you're if you're game. And then also yes, 14th Hour Foundation. It's all on my main website on the drop down. So and then it has lakes that'll take you there. And uh yeah, we, we're always looking for donations, and, and but more than anything, I'm looking for veterans that want to go back to school. Help them right. out. Perfect. Thank you. Last question before we go. This is the Flex Your Freedom podcast that has a wide range of meaning. That's the word has a huge range of meaning. So, what does that mean to you? Um, what you know, the word freedom, the term, the concept of freedom. What is that to you? Freedom is just the ability to to, to get up in the morning and go get coffee, to get up in the morning and go for a run, to get up in the morning and. And look outside and just like, wow, how beautiful this country is. Excellent. Thank you again, Chris, so much. <laughs>